0: Welcome to Beyond Our Sidelines. This is your host, Ryan Plord. Today we'll be welcoming Orlando Beltran, who is currently vice principal at Lowell High School in San Francisco, California. Uh, in addition to his role in the school system, he also happens to be a dear friend of mine and someone I greatly admire. Uh, I can always count on Orlando, and, and I've learned that in life, uh, those are individuals we should hold on to and cherish. Uh, We met as student-athletes at the University of Redlands, where fate put us together as as roommates, and and the rest, as they say, is history. Um, I've invited Orlando to join us because he has a really powerful sports story, and I thought it was important for you all to be able to hear it. Um, He's currently an educator and and plays an important role and and has a meaningful impact on the lives of the kids he works with, and I know that while being an educator can sometimes be a a thankless job, uh, I'm here to thank him and all the wonderful teachers and administrators out there who who dedicate their lives to serving our youth. Uh, We have work still to do in our education system, but it can't be done without dedicated people like Orlando. Well, so, I, honestly, I, we are, are practicing uh, responsible social distancing by getting together on uh, conference call, um, although I guess yeah. we are always social distancing because you live in San Francisco and I live in uh, Washington, D.C. Um, yeah. But uh, how, are, how are things going over there? Are you guys are you doing okay?
1: They I mean, we're fine. I think um, the city didn't take everything very seriously to begin with, and then they sort of had to lock it down a little bit more but working in the school system you know we my school was actually the first school to close down in the city because the to my understanding that well one of the two first um people that were um diagnosed with with uh COVID-19 one was actually a, a parent of one of my students and yeah. so we had to we had to shut down the school you know that afternoon and we were shut down for a couple days and we went back for a couple days and then they shut down the entire district
0: it's crazy it's crazy i think we we had a similar i mean not nothing similar where we're at work but i think the city at first didn't take it as seriously and now we're you know we're at a point where we're uh stay at home and and not supposed to go out unless it's an emergency or or if you need something essential and uh it's a little bit a little bit crazy to to see things shut down so quickly I'm gonna ask you to to dig deep into your memory. Uh, and I don't want to age oh, you too man. much okay. because we're the same age. Um, but uh, I, what I wanted just to, to to kind of talk to you about was uh, you know I know a little bit about your your personal kind of athletic story. Um, and I think uh, it, it's a really yeah, it's a it's a motivational and a powerful story, but I wanted to to kind of hear a little bit from you about your kind of personal journey with, with sports and, you know, starting as a, as a young athlete, uh, you know, growing up in, in California and, um, you know, tell me a little bit about what it was, what it was like as a young athlete in California. And, you know, what was your experience if you can remember? I mean, I, I don't think I grew up as a young athlete,
1: uh, in the same way that a lot of people did. I think, um, like a lot of the friends that I, I grew up with, uh, I didn't play on an organized team until I was I think in seventh grade and a lot of the kids had already been playing at rec parks and uh, all these things there was no parks by where I grew up and in the immediate area aside from that my mom couldn't afford to probably pay for like the dues and everything anyway um, so I, I didn't have much of that kind of team experience I, um, I actually just taught myself how to play sports I would watch things on TV. And whatever I did have, I would go in and sort of mimic them and sort of just teach myself the game a little bit, like basketball. I didn't, I didn't own a basketball until geez, I think it was like around six or seventh grade when I found one. Um, I taught myself how to play with a, uh, a five-gallon bucket and a, a soccer ball that my uncle gave me. Um, just and like I in played the yard. The in,
0: what's up? Just like in the yard playing around?
1: Yeah, well, I had like well, initially I started with just like you just kind of shoot it right against a wall and mm-hmm. like set it up that way, and then um, I realized I had those. They're not like picket fences, but they're kind of um, like hexagon shaped at the top. Um, and so what I did was in the in the back space there was no it was this concrete and it's basically an area for um, to hang um, hang clothes. To dry clothes and sheets and stuff, right. and I uh, I realized that I could hang the
0: the handle of the bucket
1: over the top of the fence, and it would stick. And so then I um, that's why I taught myself how to play. the The hard part was that anytime the I overshot it, it <laughs> would go over the fence, and I had to jump the fence and go get the ball back and come back and keep playing. So
0: but, you, had to, you had to learn how to be a good shooter.
1: Yeah, I mean, for the most part, that's that's the one thing I, I learned. The hard part was I was shooting with a soccer ball, which is I think is little, much lighter yeah. than a a basketball. So it was having to deal with all those uh, those differences. But it definitely helped out a lot with just hand eye coordination and learning how to play a little bit. But um, yeah, eventually one of my neighbors um, he he bought he got he found like a board. He was a construction guy or like a carpenter or something. And he came in. and He literally just like screwed this sort of wood plank thing into the behind where I'd hang the bucket. And so that's where I would, I would learn to play for the most part. And the guy was really cool. I don't remember his name. I have very big memories of him, but he actually, um, he did some iron working. And so he actually made a rim for me and, uh, got like a wood pole and sort of made a basketball court for me. That's awesome. But yeah, that was, that was a first introduction of like just learning how to play. But, um, It wasn't until six, so in sixth grade, um, middle school, I actually tried out for the team, but, um, I didn't make it to even the first real tryout. So what happened was, um, granted, I'd never played on a team before. I didn't know the game. I just knew how to dribble. I knew how to shoot. I knew these little things. Um, I actually got scared and left the gym because there was like, there must have been like 200 kids in the gym. And the first thing they did was sit us all down. And on a piece of paper, they asked, write down what position you like to play. And I didn't know what positions were. Right. So I didn't know what a point guard was. I didn't know what a center was. Like, I had no idea. And I kind of looked around, and all the kids
0: were, like, writing all these answers down. I was like, uh-oh. And I got <laughs> super intimidated.
1: So then I um, I left the gym. I just walked out. And then I spent the next uh, year actually learning
0: the positions what they meant, sort of, um, and just get a
1: basic idea. And then, uh, yeah, the following year, seventh grade, I tried out and made the team.
0: So I wanted to to jump in with some commentary because I think Orlando talks about some really important things that, that that we need to highlight. First, he talks about when he grew up, there there wasn't suitable outdoor space to play. Um, and then on top of that, there weren't affordable opportunities to, to join a league or a team. And so instead of learning how to play from a coach uh, and playing alongside his peers, he wanted to play so badly that he found his own creative way to start to play. Uh, and as kids, you know, I think we can relate to, to always... With our friends or in the neighborhood, you know always finding creative ways to to play games. and you know his story about wanting to learn how to play basketball so badly that that he started using a soccer ball and a basket at his house is is one that is is really powerful in my mind. Uh, but also is a story that I think many kids around the world can can probably relate to. Um, but to me, what this speaks to is, is the idea that there are far too many gaps in our youth system and, and many kids like Orlando are not able to access sports in, in ways that they deserve. You know, hearing that there, there wasn't outdoor space to play in uh, near him uh, and there wasn't an affordable league uh, are two things that, that should never be the case for kids here in the United States. And so when he was able to try out for, for a team through through school, there were so many kids trying out that for, for someone who's doing it for the first time, like he was, it it was overwhelming. And, and, you know, in that environment, how could the coaches who were there possibly be able to, to support that amount of kids at a level where, where someone like Orlando, uh, who was new to it could thrive. Um, you know, and so he thankfully didn't give up, but, but many kids do. And, 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 that means that, that, they're not able to, to access the, the benefits from sports that Orlando was eventually able to, to access. And so, again, like this was in the, the 1980s and, and 1990s, but similar, similar situations are, are happening all over, all over the United States. And, and coaches are, are not always able to, to meaningful, meaningfully reach all kids because we aren't putting them in the right positions to, to be able to do so. So those are just a couple of things that I wanted to, to, to kind of jump in and highlight a couple of ideas that I think are important to, to discuss and to, to consider as we, as we learn more now from, from Orlando as he progresses into to middle school and high school sports.
1: Well, I didn't, I didn't play any other sport until I got to high school because um, everything else needed more equipment. I guess, like, uh, my mom wasn't going to buy me cleats to play any other sport because that's a specialized shoe that you needed for something. Like, my basketball shoes, at least I can wear whenever the hell I wanted to wear them to walk around to, you know, whatever. But cleats, like, you're just using that for the field. so. Um, and the truth also probably, my mom was, I was a really skinny small kid, so my mom was probably terrified of me playing football. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't until 10th raid um i actually tried off of the football team without my mom's permission um and yeah it was i had a couple friends on the team and they sort of talked me up a little bit um and i came out and the coach took
0: me up and again didn't know how to play the game i only learned uh how to play
1: playing like uh, madden
0: football or something which is uh, you know, totally realistic games. right well that's where most kids learn how to play at least a little bit about the game but the funny part about it is like i would
1: make mistakes in games or in practice and my coach was like what are you doing like, what do you mean like, you can't do that and i was like well i can do it in madden and then <laughs> it, it was just like, was in madden. so i would like
0: hit some guys after the play was over right. <laughs> do all these things and i was like oh i can't do that i didn't know that's hilarious um but I, I did, I think I, I ran track. Well, actually, let
1: me back up a little bit. My freshman year, I, I think I ran track that year, if I remember correctly. But I, I did swim. I swam for a little bit. Um, luckily, the apartment building I lived in had a pool, so I was really familiar with the water, really comfortable in it. So I was swimming for, since I was a kid. Um, the funny thing is, unless you're racing a, a, a bunch of people you don't really know how fast you are right and so um yeah that was an interesting story so freshman year I joined the um swim team and was I guess a good swimmer and they put me in the 50 free and 100 free and my 50 free time if I remember correctly was I think that the swim coach showed me like two seconds off the city record and and, um it was already better than the varsity 50 free time. Uh, and so it was cool. It was like one of those things like, oh, wow, I have I might have a future in swimming. Right. But um, I only got to compete in about three meets because I actually had to work to pay for, you know, all the stuff like I was playing basketball still and I was helping my mom out. So the coach actually kicked me off the team because I missed uh, – a couple of practices and I couldn't go because I had to work after school. Um, yeah, so she kicked me off the team and I I, I never swam again really competitively for the most part. And so uh that's one of the I guess the obstacles you gotta deal with, right? I can't I wasn't able to join a team because I had to take care of financial situations in my family and, and growing up. So um that was unfortunate. But um I did get a chance to uh, run track though, I believe. I think I ran two years in high school, I can't remember me, three. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I ran
0: track. I was a fast kid. I, you know, that's the easiest sport to really learn, right? Like, go. <laughs> you just run. So, yeah, right. um,
1: yeah, I just, those were the four sports I played in, in high school. I, I tried out for the baseball team, and they wanted to keep me on, but um, I I just couldn't fit it in. There was too much going on already, and, and I was still taking, you know, I was going to school, too, and playing three three sports, true pretty religiously um between football and basketball and then track would kind of be there and then swim was always lingered in the background but um i didn't try to swim again until my senior year when my football coach actually took over the swim team he became the coach and asked me to come out and i i did for a little bit but i just i didn't have it anymore i was too i was tired and i was doing too much and body my, probably my changed a little year, too like, yeah there's no point
0: right um so, I mean, what motivated you to do all that? I mean, this is, uh, you know, your, your, your basketball, football, track, swimming, you know, despite some challenges, some barriers to, to participating, what, what motivated you to, to, to do all that?
1: I think, I mean, I don't know. I love sports. I love competing. Um, I never took it too, too seriously in the sense of like, I'm going to, you know, this is the end of the world sort of thing. But I, I loved competition. I remember that. Um, I think one weird thing was, it was the only thing I got a lot of compliments about. It was, um, I never got a lot of compliments in a lot of other areas of, you know, you're academically or you're great at this or you're great at that. The most, the most I got was you're funny and you're a great athlete. And so I tried to just do as much as I could while I could, um, and just explore, you know, I wish knowing what I know now, like, I would have gone back and and probably joined you and played tennis.
0: Like um, I probably would have played soccer. I feel like my body was probably
1: meant to play different sports because, you know, five, nine, 150 pounds coming out of high school, you know, you're not, you're not really, you're not really made for basketball or football.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And only a couple of people, maybe Maybe a couple of people in the world can.
1: Yeah. And even then they're not made for it. (laughs) They probably should have played something else, but they were good enough to make it.
0: And so again, I wanted to take a quick break and, and highlight a, a couple of things that Orlando touched on. Um, first, he, he talked about not being able to, to play a certain sport as a kid uh, because of certain financial barriers. And, and uh, unfortunately, that's a, an extremely common barrier for, for many youth around the United States. Um, the, the current pay-to-play model as we know it, uh, which you can read a little bit more about in the, in the blog, uh, helps to kind of further create inequality in, in, in access for, for kids in, in cities all over the country and in many different sports. Um, you know, things were a little bit different in the era that Orlando is, is talking about, but the barrier remains the same. And, and cost is a, is a big factor in youth participation, uh, but it shouldn't be. Um, and, and second... Sport specialization is, is a common thing in, in our youth sports system. Um, you can you know, nowadays you can play basketball or soccer or tennis or volleyball essentially year round. Um, and, and sure, there, and yes, there are benefits to, to being able to do that and, and being able to focus your attention on one sport. Um, but in my opinion, and in the opinion of, of many experts, the, the benefits of playing multiple sports, as Orlando did, uh, outweigh the, the benefits of specialization. Um, you know, thinking about, you know, certain sports, like certain aspects of one sport can aid in your ability to play another. So for example, the movement and footwork needed to, to play soccer or tennis can help you be a better basketball player. Um, You know, so we're going to talk a little bit more about specialization versus playing multiple sports in in future episodes, because uh, it's an important subject to touch on. Um, And so to finish off part one of of my conversation with Orlando, uh, he's he's going to talk a little bit about the benefits that he got from playing sports in, in his formative years. So through all that, what, what what did what do you feel like you learned? What did you learn during that time? Like what what lessons did did sports teach you?
1: Oh, it definitely made me who I am. Um, I can't even begin to to sort of discuss it because, I mean, when you think about perseverance, when you think about hard work, and most athletes will tell you it's because I learned it playing sports. I knew that. I had to practice to get better. I knew that I had to work really hard or else someone else would beat me to the position. And, um, you know, I wanted to start or I wanted to do this. So it, it translates very easily to, to the working world. Um, you think about you want the promotion, you want the the raise, whatever it may be, you you have to work at it and you have to be really good at your craft. And that's what... what um, sports actually was for me and the one thing that I really did learn more than anything else was and this probably falls into the same sort of category but when you really think about it is I was never made for these right like I had a natural I think like lateral movement I was really quick from side to side but um in a straight line you know I have friends that never played sports that would run faster than I would you know um I didn't grow up with the sport so I didn't know much about it education wise i was not like the smartest guy when it came to the to to the game i learned the most was just to work hard and and you can be better and become a better athlete or get better for whatever you're doing and so um a lot of my motivation though had to come from other people i was never the most confident when it came to these these sports Um, i think football was probably the most confident but even in basketball i never i never thought it was really all that great but um
0: why do you think that yeah, is?
1: it's what's that
0: why do you think that is
1: i don't know i mean i had a really tough basketball coach and he was i wouldn't say the most motivational or inspiring mm-hmm. um great coach taught me a lot and but you
0: know i played against and with a lot of guys that were really good And, you know, we played in a tournament and I played against Tyson Chandler and, you know, we had a playoff game
1: and I played against Trevor Ariza and you're just like, okay, that's what an NBA athlete looks
0: like. Right. Um, and so it's sort of, it, it humbles you
1: to a certain extent, but football, I actually, I thought was, I was pretty good. I, I was really fast. I was able to avoid tackles. I was really good on defense as well. Um, and so that, that was the only sport where I really was just like, wow, okay, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. To answer your question in a little bit more detail is, um, and I can give you a real world sort of example, was um, I never thought it was really that good, but my coaches were, or at least some were very much like, damn, you're really good or you're, you're, you're getting better or, you know, we need to work with these things because you're, you're really good at that. And when they say that, then I, once they gave me that guidance, I would work my butt off. And, you know, now professionally, I was, you know, I started as a teacher. Never did I think I would do anything else aside from being a teacher within the educational field. And then, um, yeah, all of a sudden, you, people would say, hey, you know, you're, you'd be a pretty good counselor. And so I did what, what I would do in sports. I'd work hard and try to do that. You know, so I went, got my master's, and became a counselor. And almost by force, people were like, you'd be a great administrator okay. And then kind of got pushed into it. And I think I'm doing fairly well for myself, given that I I never really even wanted to be there, or I never even believed I could. Uh, So being there uh, is, is a blessing. And at the same time, it's um, a little scary because uh, growing up with the same sort of humility, right? Learning to play basketball with a soccer ball in a bucket, as opposed to the guys who had like a trainer or a coach or had been in teams for years, you kind of go in like, uh, "Am I really this good? Am I really okay to be here?" And so it's the same thing professionally. You kind of go in and, and you're, you have this sort of inferiority complex of, "Do I deserve to be here? Am I am I meant to be here?" Um, and even when you get compliments, you know, from from your staff, from teachers, or from
0: other people, just saying, "Hey, you're thank you. You're awesome. You're doing great." It's so hard for you to swallow that pill, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, ideally, I think as, as humans, we're, we're always striving to, to keep improving and, and striving to, to learn and striving to get better. And I feel like, uh, you know, as an athlete myself, I feel like that's always something that I tried to, to always do is I'm trying to, to always be improving and, and taking feedback and, and incorporating it into, you know, what it is that I'm doing either on the, on the court or the field or, or outside of it. And uh, it sounds like you've taken a lot of the lessons that you learned in sports and then have now kind of used them in your professional career
1: I, I think as best as I can because well let me and I think you can you can um, agree with me on this right we've also probably experienced tons of athletes that were perfect that had the body six three hundred 195 pounds you know uh, ran a five four five or something but didn't do the work part you know i I just outwork them and think that's where I got a lot of my opportunities was well, that guy, I know if I give him the ball, he's gonna he's gonna fight for that extra couple of yards. Well, this guy might
0: not. Yeah, I mean the things the things you can control, the things that you have you personally have the 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 opportunity to control are are things that are uh, you know you should always be trying to 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 do those things. You know, if you can control how hard you work, or you can control being on time, or you can control your attitude, things like that. You know, if you can do those things well, it sets you up to, to maximize your, your potential and your abilities.
1: Yeah. And and you show people, right? I remember a a teammate in, uh, in high school on the football team, I think it was a year younger than I was. was like, Oh, you're lucky. You're just all, it's all natural. And so I, uh, (laughs) I invited him to come to one of my workouts on Saturday. And so I went to the school and they did a bunch of drills. And then, um, luckily at that point I had a, had a car and, um, I drove up, near the LA Observatory. And I was like, well, here's my run, let's go. And so we ran from the bottom, like the Greek theater all the way to the very top. I felt what the Point was called, but it's past the Observatory. The kid was dying, he couldn't do it. You know, we would sprint
0: up the, the steep hills and you couldn't do it. And the idea was, I'm, I
1: work. Don't think this is natural. Like I have some natural talent, but a lot of it is developed from, you know, working my butt off to make sure I'm, I'm ready when my, when a time comes up, my number's called.
0: Right. Right. Uh, so it's funny story. So, I mean, you and obviously Nick is, is one of our, our, our close mutual friends. And, and I, yeah. I remember many years ago, I went to visit him in Portland, Oregon, and I was staying at his house and, uh, he was at the time he was, you know, running, uh, you know, ultra marathons and, and, mm-hmm. uh, was going out in the morning for a, for a, a, a warm up run before work. And and I, uh, you know, I, I fancy myself to be in pretty good shape. Uh, less so now than I was then. Um, but I, I, so I was like, oh yeah, let me, I'll, I'll come. Like let me, let me go on this run with you. And um, I, I went on this warm up run. This was one run of multiple in the day, I believe. Um, and it was through the mountains, through the woods, and you know, it was really beautiful and great. And uh, I'm pretty sure he slowed his pace down for me. Um, but we ran for what felt like the entire day, um, and, and it certainly wasn't the entire day, but. Uh, it was a humbling experience for me as, as a person who you know has put in some put in the work, but also like you know realizes that there's always more that you can push yourself to to keep getting better. And that was one of those moments in my mind that I was like, man, I can always continue to be uh, trying to improve. You know, here's somebody who is working his his butt off to do something that he's passionate and that he loves that he loves. Uh, And he's coming out at five, six and whatever in the morning to do a a practice run that's, you know, 12 miles or whatever it was. And uh, you know, that was a moment I look back on as, as kind of like a a really humbling experience. And I'm sure you've kind of found, I'm sure that this this person that you're talking about, this high school friend of yours uh, had that, hopefully had that same exact realization.
1: Well, and it's not even like, yeah, it's definitely not like saying, I'm better than you. It's very much, I work. Right. like to get this i work harder you know and, and nick has taught me that too like I've, I've tried to run with him the sad part is that guy i used to beat him at the three mile run at a three mile run, i used to beat him more in college yep. <laughs> and now he just smokes us but he, he did the same thing he got up i'm gonna go for a quick run and he ran to the next town
0: yeah that, quick's the wrong that word was his,
1: like morning run
0: yeah yeah quick is not the right word for for those <laughs> runs And so to finish off part one, I wanted to, to talk briefly about what we learn from playing sports. Um, so this is that's a topic that we're going to cover a lot in future episodes. But here, Orlando talks about a couple of, of the big ones, hard work and perseverance. Um, almost everyone who has, has played sports can can point to the lessons they've learned and things that they took away from playing. Um, but it's really interesting to me to, to think about how the team or program environment can really dictate how unique an athlete's experience is can be, especially when that environment is a positive one. And so in part two of my chat with Orlando, we're going to dive more into that idea of, of positive team culture. Um, but I wanted to end with, with a couple of things from, from this first part. Uh, first, one of the, the powerful things that we get from, from participating in athletics is that what we take away from our experience and what we learn from our experience is, is uniquely our own. Uh, you know, we may share lessons of communication, for example, but because we are all unique individuals what we take away from that about communication is going to, to naturally be different. Uh, and so it's important that our, our teams and our, our coaches understand that as they put programs and practices together, that they need to account for that, that individuality. Um, and, and second, I really liked what Orlando said about, about hard work. Uh, again, hard work is going to, to maybe look different for everyone, uh, but Orlando was able to, to maximize his natural ability by working harder than the person next to him. Um, you know, Talent can, can take us all to a certain place, Uh, but it's that hard work that gets us over the edge and and keeps us there. Uh, And so Orlando was, was a a highly motivated kid uh, and and a young athlete. And then he supplemented, supplemented that motivation with, with hard work and uh, it allowed him to, to reach heights that, that, uh, Maybe talent and motivation might not have allowed him to get to otherwise, uh, which I think is a really great message for, for young athletes out there. Um, so please, you know, join us next time for, for part two of my conversation with Orlando, uh, where we talk about mentors and role models and, and learn a little bit about how his experience as a, as a multi-sport college athlete um, sticks with him today. Uh, so thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and tune in to our next episode.